Before we start, I just want to let everybody know that this podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON for 10% off your first purchase. That's promo code LOCKEDON at BuiltBar.com. Everybody, welcome into Lockdown Tigers. I'm your host, Chris Castellani. It is Monday, January 4th, 2021. Happy New Year, everybody. This is the first show of the new year. Real quick, before we jump into the few topics that we are going to discuss, because it is a slow news day and it's been a slow news week and it's been a slow news offseason so far. Not a whole lot of major news has broke. The biggest news that broke really came last week. And I covered that talking about the Padres' big moves and the trades that they made. That was very exciting. But uh, right off the bat, this is weird because usually I record my podcast the day before I upload them. So if it's a Monday podcast, I record them on a Sunday night. Didn't have that opportunity last night. I was flying home, arrived very late, and still had to do a podcast. I did the Michigan uh, Hoops podcast on MasonBrew.com with my friend and boss, Anthony Broom. And I, I just I, I wanted to bring that up because it's a bit off schedule. So if you're listening to this a little bit later than you usually do on a Monday, I apologize for that. But I was exhausted, so I apologize. But I do want to give a, a thank you to my audience out there for being patient and accommodating over the last several weeks. I know it's been very, very odd with kind of the minimal amount of podcasts I've uploaded. I mean, I've only uploaded, I believe, two each over the last two weeks. I... I'm extremely hard on myself, and because of that, sometimes I forget that I have grown quite a bit, which means that uh, I do have more responsibilities here. You know, a, a year ago, and, I, and I'll, I'll get off this topic in a second because it might bore you guys, but a year ago, I did not have as many responsibilities as I have now. And so I, I, I try to work, you know, find that balance between you know, vacation time and work time. Uh, I think we did that this year. I, I don't have many regrets about not doing a show on Christmas. I don't have many regrets about not doing a show on New Year's. You know, if it was a different sport and a different time in the season, maybe I would. But there's not a whole lot going on. And personally, really, I try to look at it from the point of view of if I was a fan, if I was a fan of myself, and would I be crushed if my favorite podcaster didn't upload a show on New Year's Day or didn't upload a show on Christmas? Uh, I wouldn't be. But I appreciate the audience that's still around for for sticking with me through what's been, you know, I won't say rocky because I had a good time, but, you know, just kind of an inconsistent uh, holiday uploading schedule. But we are back now. We're back for three days a week. That will continue until probably around spring training. And that's where I'm actually going to lead off. There was news that broke that right now Major League Baseball is planning to start spring training on time this year. Slightly surprising because there was some news, I believe John Morosi, I think there were several uh, sources that, that reported that Major League Baseball was considering you know, maybe doing a 140-something game season, waiting until the players were vaccinated, and, and that may still be the case. This is the same group of people who, when the original suspension of the season was handed down in the pandemic, said, we still plan on playing 162 games. They ended up playing 60. And obviously, you know, extraordinary circumstances, but uh, they, they changed their opinions and changed their moods on the fly according to 
the situation and the circumstances. But I, I will say, I think this is encouraging news. You know, spring training isn't that far away. I mean, pitchers and catchers report in February. You know, it's January, the first week of January right now. So we'll see where this ends up. But it also means a, a lot of players, Riamuto, Bauer, I mean, Bauer's, you know, Bauer's playing games at this point. But, you know, a lot of these big free agents, Springer, uh, by now, I felt like some of them in a regular offseason probably would have signed a contract. By now, some probably would have figured out where they were going to play. They would have signed their deals. But I think part of the reason why this offseason has been extraordinarily slow, and I understand that this is not an all-time great free agent class, like next year's free agent class is probably going to be. But even so, there's some really great players out in the market that you know have made very little noise in terms of even announcing where they're going to sign or who they're interested in signing with. It's been very odd, and the big reason for that is I think many people have believed that the season is probably going to be shortened, that spring training may get pushed back, and guys probably going to be a little bit more hesitant to sign with a team until later on in the offseason. I've understood that, and as a fan, it's made the, the whole process very tedious and frustrating, but I do get it. But with this announcement, it means that I, I think probably in the next month, and maybe this is just wishful thinking on my part, but probably within the next month, we're going to see like one domino fall and then every other domino fall after that. I I think we're kind of waiting for the first one of these big time free agents. I don't know who it's going to be, whether it's LeMayhew or Bauer or Springer or or any one of these guys, Rhea Muto. I bet once one domino falls, the other ones are going to fall pretty quickly. I think they're all kind of waiting to collectively be the first person to, to dip their toe in, in the water to kind of see what the temperature is like. And I guess I can't begrudge them for that. Uh, encouraging news, though, I, I will say. You know, it, look, hypothetically, hypothetically, for the sake of argument, let's say that, that they only played 144 games this year and said, you know what, we're not completely confident with the vaccine stuff. We want all our players to be vaccinated and coaches to be vaccinated before we start the season. We're going to push this thing back to 140, hell, even 120 games. I wouldn't be completely crushed the same way I wouldn't have been crushed last year. The reason last year's labor negotiations became such a nightmare is because you're taking a season that could have been very, very legitimate, even in the wake of the most unforeseen circumstances, a one in a 100 year pandemic that was you know spreading across the world. They, they Their opportunity to play 120 games was there. I mean, to me, once it got below 81, it became completely illegitimate. And that's an argument for another day, and they ended up crowning a champion, and I'm not begrudging any Dodger fan for claiming the 2020 to be the year of the Dodgers. I, that's that's fine. That's whatever. But to me personally, it very, it very rarely ever felt like a legitimate season. And if they feel like it, it, it's in the best interest and best safety of the players – to push this thing back 20 or 40 games. Now, obviously, I'd be disappointed, but I wouldn't be I wouldn't be completely against it. I wouldn't be completely heartbroken. You know, it is about uh, the health and safety of the players and ultimately I think I think Major League Baseball kind of owes the players one after last season. I mean, the fact is these were guys who sacrificed a lot just to get through the year. And yeah, you had a few knuckleheads like Mike Clevenger, Zach Plesac, and obviously Justin Turner when the Dodgers won the World Series uh, in Game 6 there against the Rays. But for the most part, you had guys on their, their absolute best behavior, and it was one of the biggest reasons why they ended up finishing a season. And that was not the safest season you're going to play. And I think you kind of owe it to the players at this point to play the safest possible season. And if that means pushing this thing back 20, 40 games, so be it. But at right now, it looks like things are kind of according to schedule. Uh, Major League Baseball has announced that spring training is 
as of this moment, set to start on time. And hey, that's very exciting. Hopefully we'll have some more news to discuss going forward. So that will do it for segment number one. When I return, I do want to talk about something that uh, a lot of people have been discussing over the last couple weeks with some controversial ballots that have come out and that's going to be the hall of fame and kind of my criteria for the hall of fame what i feel about hall how i feel about hall of fame voting we're going to discuss all that when we return we'll be right back the nfl regular season is officially over and the playoff picture is now completely clear i hope you're ready to bet on some games because there is only one place that has you covered and one place we trust and that's betonline.ag sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code locked on for your 50% welcome bonus don't sit on the sidelines anymore get in on the action don't forget to use that promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit betonline your online sportsbook experts the improved built bar is even more deliciouser 18 amazing flavors, 6 new flavors, 12 other original flavors. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. And Built Bars are healthy. Built Bar is great for the health conscientious guy or girl. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, great for the keto diet. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. And we're back, everybody. Thank you for tuning in today. The first show of 2021. I I do want to talk about something because obviously very slow news day today on this Monday afternoon or night whenever you're listening to this and, and... uh, one thing that's come out recently, because the Hall of Fame voting will be announced here pretty soon. Uh, these are this is the time of year where days all run together, but I think it is you know around January, February when they announce the the Hall of Famers and and who got voted in, if anyone got voted in for the class of two thousand and twenty one. Obviously, last year you had Derek Jeter making it in almost unanimously, and you had the very uh, feel good and deserving story of Larry Walker. Long time coming, finally making it into the Hall of Fame. A Hall of Fame voting, and Larry Walker is not the main topic of, of this segment, but uh, they, probably the first Hall of Famer to ever make it in uh, kind of standing on the shoulders of social media, I feel like. And that, and that does not mean that Larry Walker was not deserving. He absolutely was. He should have made it. But I feel like there was such a push by very smart minds on social media, people like Bailey, Foolish Baseball, but but even major writers, beat writers, and people who cover the game who, within the last three, four years, you know, kind of went out of their way to say, hey, Larry Walker kind of deserves another look. This guy put up Hall of Fame numbers, and, and sometimes guys in baseball, they do just slip through the cracks, and, and it's kind of weird to say because... Larry Walker was like an MVP, he was a batting champion, but it seemed like because of that, you know, we're playing at cores for so long in his career, uh, many people overlooked how good he actually was. Absolutely deserved to make it into the Hall of Fame, I thought that was a cool story, but now we're on to 2021, and the main topic is not who I feel like should be in, who I want to be in, That's I'll, I'll cover that at another point, but it's, you know, at this time of year, people like to release their Hall of Fame ballots. Now, I believe they can remain anonymous, some people choose not to. Uh, and I do respect that. I don't think anyone should remain anonymous, personally. I think if you have a vote for the Hall of Fame, you should be forced to explain why you went about things the way that you did. I mean, these are players who busted their butts for 
15, 20 years, and every day I had to answer questions from the media and explain, and they had to explain their achievements, they had to explain their failures, now it's up to other people to vote on how they judge their accomplishments and whether or not they're worthy of the Hall of Fame. I believe you should have to explain that personally. I don't think any uh, ballot should be anonymous. I think at this point we should know who it was that didn't vote uh, Derek Jeter into the Hall of Fame. Now, at this point of the year, there's obviously a lot of controversial ballots. People feel very strongly about this stuff, and I, I understand it because especially in the last couple of years, it seems like the waters have become a little bit diluted, you know, with Harold Baines making it into the, into the Hall of Fame, you know, a few other guys who kind of slipped through the cracks, and you get a lot of very controversial ballots. I, I'm not going to mention this guy's name because, quite frankly, I, I feel like to mention him and to talk about him even on a podcast that only gets, you know, several hundred listens like mine does, I... I, I think it's very obvious this guy may be doing it for a little bit of attention. And as someone who has had a tendency, not anymore, I don't think, but in the past to be a bit of an attention seeker, I don't I don't really want to give someone like that the time of day. So uh, that's beside the point. The point is that there's been a few people that have come out, one big one, that voted zero players into the Hall of Fame on their ballot. Keep in mind, this Hall of F- potential Hall of Fame class, this ballot, includes Barry Bonds, Mark Burley, Roger Clemens. I'm not going to read off everybody, but Andrew Jones, Jeff Kent, Andy Pettit, Manny Ramirez, Scott Rowland, Kurt Schilling, Gary Sheffield, Sammy Sosa, Omar Vizquel, and Billy Wagner. Now, personally, do I think that it is insane, insane, clinically insane, for someone to look at that Hall of Fame ballot and believe that no one on that ballot deserves to be in the Hall? Yeah, I think that's absolutely nuts. That is beyond crazy to me. But the Hall of Fame is a very tricky one. It is. And people try to sometimes portray it in a, as a black and white thing. It's not. It's not. It's not like OPS or OBP. Those are quantifiable things that you can measure with math and statistics. The Hall of Fame is more of a feel thing. Now, you have a lot of stats that you can look off of. If a guy's got a high war for his career, yeah, he should probably be in the Hall of Fame. If a guy hit X amount of home runs or had an X, you know, OPS throughout his career, you know, objectively speaking, you would say, hey, that's a guy who put up good enough numbers to be in the Hall of Fame. But there are many people who vote on this based on a kind of eye test and whether or not that's fair. And I don't believe it's fair. I think with when voting for the Hall of Fame, I believe with all things in baseball personally, and this is coming from a guy who used to be completely analytics driven. I think you do need to look at it both from a eye test point of view and from a numbers point of view. A lot of people always bring up that Derek Jeter was a bad defensive shortstop. And you know what? Analytically, he was. And people will shout that Derek Jeter was overrated. And you know what? Relative to how other people have talked about him in the past, sure, you could say he's overrated. The fact is, Derek Jeter's eye test is probably the best of any shortstop that's ever played baseball. His highlight reel is better than any shortstop that has ever lived. I mean, outside of maybe Ozzie Smith, and then outside of that one solo home run that he hit uh, as a walk-off in the NLCS against the Dodgers, I can't think of many big Ozzie Smith offensive highlights. Believe it or not, and I'm not going to defend this guy because I think you look at the ballot of players on on this year's Hall of Fame ballot, to not vote any of these guys in essentially means that you're not going to vote anyone in ever. I mean, it basically means no. No one should be in the Hall of Fame, but I think there's a lot of people out there who believe that the criteria for the Hall of Fame has changed, that the goalposts have moved, but they're not going to abide by those rules. They're going to abide solely by 
their own criteria. And in a way, I I don't agree with it, but I do kind of respect that. It's like I, one thing I've never addressed on this podcast, and people have hounded me for it because I tweeted about it one time several years ago, is the whole, does Lou Whitaker belong in the Hall of Fame? And, and my response to that has always been, look, if I had my own Hall of Fame and I could pick and choose who I believed should be in, who shouldn't be in, I personally would not vote him in. But where it gets difficult is that there are players with lower career wars. There's players with objectively worse careers who have made it in while Lou Whitaker continues to be on the outside looking in. That's where it gets really, really difficult. And if I if I had a vote, I would probably vote him in because of what I just said. There's weaker players that ended up making it into the Hall of Fame while he didn't. I do give the guy credit for not keeping this thing anonymous. And I, I, do, I am interested and fascinated as to why certain people vote for certain people and don't vote for others. Because, like, to me, and even allegations aside, right, because I believe there is a character clause in the Hall of Fame voting. Uh, I don't believe Omar Vizquel should even be on the ballot, personally. Like, and, I, and I'll have that conversation another day. Maybe I even did talk about it on this podcast in the past, but Omar Vizquel was a bad hitter who played a lot of seasons. And no, he's not the greatest defensive shortstop of all time. Ozzie Smith is. I believe Cal Ripken Jr. even has a higher defensive career war. Uh, like, It's insane to me that people have even considered him, but that's beside the point. You have Kurt Schilling, who should be in the Hall of Fame. Who has who had an amazing career? Who put up probably numbers in the regular season that are probably deserving of a Hall of Fame spot, if not borderline. But he's the greatest postseason pitcher of all time. He pitched some of the biggest games ever and delivered in some of the biggest games ever for two different franchises, three actually, if you include the Phillies. But he's a very very controversial choice. You have a guy like Scott Rowland who in my opinion, should probably be in, but, you know, was one of those guys who, I won't say slipped under the radar because he won a bunch of gold gloves, made a bunch of all-star teams, but I think if Scott Rowland played today, would be in the top three to five for MVP voting probably every year. His The analytics support him being an all-time great player, but unfortunately, he didn't really play in the age of analytics. Maybe near the end of his career, you know, I think he retired his last year, I believe it was 2010 or 2011, but Either way, it, it, there's, a, there's a reason why they have the five-year gap in between retirement and the Hall of Fame, because I think that gap allows people to put cr- people's careers in context and vote more with their heads as opposed to more with their hearts. And to me, I find it very interesting. Uh, I, I find it very fascinating, and I, I'm intrigued to see who makes it in this year. I Look... What the ultimate irony here is that this dude who voted for nobody may end up reflecting how the voters are feeling. Because I look at this ballot now, personally, just off the top of my head, if I was voting, I would probably put, I'd vote for Bonds, I'd vote for Clemens, I'd vote for Kurt Schilling, I'd vote for Billy Wagner, and I'd vote for Scott Rowland. Personally, like that's five. That's a big ballot. There's also outside of Rowland, in my opinion. There's also really strong arguments to be made as to why none of these guys should be in. You have Billy Wagner, who was a reliever, and we still haven't figured out like the criteria for relievers making it into the Hall of Fame. Like Mariano made it; he, that was automatic; he was unanimous. 
Trevor Hoffman made it. That was automatic. Like Schilling, you have the character clause stuff. I'm not going to get into his political views, but he's just he's just a weird guy. You have Clemens who got busted cheating. You have Bonds who got busted for cheating. You have Andrew Jones who I wouldn't put in, but many people say is the greatest defensive center fielder of all time. I'll have to look more into that, but if that is true, maybe he deserves a spot. It's one of the more con- it's going to be one of the more controversial ballots of recent memory uh, I feel like and I did not think that this would make for such a long segment but I am fascinated by this stuff because I I think that the Hall of Fame is something that I feel like every voter every person kind of has a different criteria for and I I appreciate people not keeping this stuff anonymous personally I, I again to bring this back around I feel like everyone should have to explain why they voted for who they voted for so that will do it for Monday's show. This is going to be a rather long show. I'm surprised by that, but I'm happy about it. You can follow me on Twitter at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2014. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Tigers. While you're at it, go to Apple Podcasts, go to iTunes, leave a positive written five-star review of this program. It would be much, much appreciated. Thank you very, very much, everybody. I will see you right back here on Wednesday. Have a great rest of your day, and go Tigers.